I think it was just Nakia. I believe like her love saved Kamala's life. I don't believe any of these other people's did. <laughs> My name is Lovell. And this is Champions and Chai, a podcast where we talk about Champions and Ms. Marvel from the Marvel comics. So we're going to start off talking about Magnificent Ms. Marvel 18, uh, written by Saladin Ahmad, drawn by Bin Jung, colors by Ian Herring, letters by Joe Caramagna, and the cover was by Mirka Andolfo. And it was edited, edited by Alana Smith. So we're going to start off talking about the positive stuff in this issue. And I'm going to briefly go over the stuff that I already told Lamo but didn't record. I'm glad I noticed that really early on because I'd be done yeah. if we were like <laughs> 20 or half an hour into this. And I was like, whoops, didn't yeah. record that. Yeah. So anyway... <laughs> I like that Storm Ranger was ultimately defeated by Kamala, like empathizing with her and trying to reach out to her. I think, I don't know if the rest of the issue wasn't what it was. I would like the really positive message about how reaching out can be more effective than just beating the living shit out of people, which is like <laughs> the message of most superhero comics that most of your and then we got the one page of like dialogue between Nakia and Kamala where they kind of had like really nice relatable dialogue. And you're talking about how if by like a female writer they'd be like the brown girl version of Daria and Jane. I really feel that strongly though. I guess to explain the show, like, Daria is, like, a show about this, like, very cynical white girl who just, like, comments on, like, I don't know, the atrocious nature of high school, and she's very cynical, very, like, very quirky, but I think, I really do think that Nikki and Kamala have that, like, potential. Yeah, because they're just, like, riffing on, like, the things that, like, brown girl, that, like, specifically immigrant girls in, like, high school have to go through. Like, how do they, like, explain shit to their parents and how do they get away with stuff? I know, it's so fun. I did really like that, like, short dialogue that they have, which, like, shows the potential that they had that wasn't fully realized, unfortunately. But... Come on, come on, Nadia, (laughs) from us. Like pulled through just, for us <laughs> I know I don't, hopefully but yeah that was like one of the few things I like uh I guess I also wanted to mention that I did like the theme in the comic where like when you're at that age I guess it's kind of like it seems cool not to care about the about like certain things that are like going on in your school or your community or with your friends but then like the like with the whole theme of this comment like with this one issue was like it is like important to like show that you do care and that there is like still love and things like that I thought that was like really sweet and it was it was a good message a good message I agree yeah the the execution well (laughs) the execution was one thing but the the theme the message was nice he had he had good he had the right ideas just yeah uh, I like how he addressed everyone's criticisms of the series in like the first few pages in like almost like a checklist (laughs) not like Taisha alluded to Gabe's existence 
for once. Okay, uh, where is he? <laughs> I, we just still don't know where he is. Mike came back, and we know like a lot of fans were just clamoring <laughs> for Mike to actually be back and have dialogue. So that was yeah. nice. And Taisha and Kamala actually talked because throughout the run before, Taisha was kind of only talking to Amir. Uh, yeah. Which was very, which is very strange to me because she had like a relationship with Kamala too. She was like Kamala's kind of older sister figure. What she said, yeah. We'll get into the outfit later, but yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, an older sister wouldn't let Kamala go out in that outfit, but still. And Bruno <laughs> only said two words. That's that's true. He did only say a few words, and it was better for it. Should we just start with the complete breakdown of our criticisms? <laughs> My first thing is that there's a slight splash page between Storm Ranger and Kamala. And mm-hmm. it was very, you know, well drawn. And I like the use of Kamala's powers in it. But yeah. it was also just so violent. Like there was like blood getting spilled and stuff. And it's not always bad. I know like violence always has a place in comics but it's just very tonally jarring because we're going like high school drama fluff and then the villain comes in you're like okay and then like we're just getting like blood and then the turn the next page it's like amulet comes in and amulet is a very like fluffy fun character and i'm just like what the fuck just like happened that's true i uh, I feel that star ranger is kind of you know, with the vibes of like Venom being like an extremely, the vibe is like, this is an extremely dangerous entity, you know, and like, you can feel that with Storm Ranger, but it is very tonally weird for Miss Marvel. You're right. I didn't really pay attention to that, but I can definitely see where you're coming from here. It was weird. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, I feel that too, because like, I guess with the whole like creation of Kamala herself and her powers, like the, like her her like stretchy powers were very much like intentional because they didn't want Kamala Khan to have powers that were like violent. Yeah. Like I, I remember that being like a very like intentional decision for her. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to be like campy, like what stands out in a comic book page. Yeah. That was like why, why her powers were like that. Yeah. So I feel like it will, that always did sort of like persist throughout like her series. Right. So it does feel weird like, this contrast of, like, even though, like, I mean, Saladin did have, like, good instances of where Kamala used her powers non-violently, like, in the, in the cradle issue where she was just, like, lifting up the agents and, like, putting them on, like, on buildings, yeah. like, I thought that, I thought that was, like, or, really like, when fun she was just and a good playfully <laughs> flicking someone and they didn't actually get injured. Exactly, like, she does punch things, of course, and she does, like, I don't know, just, like, the intensity of Storm Ranger, like, you know, and, I don't don't know it's it is kind of straight it's it's jarring you're right (laughs) oh yeah oh amulet (laughs) like see see here's the thing about amulet I was excited when he was first introduced and I think we all were because he's like he represents something that we've never seen before in comics which is like a nice jock of color and he's the yeah. first Arab American superhero at Marvel. And I don't want to dismiss like any of that or how important it is, but I think he just feels so out of place in Ms. Marvel as like his appearances have gone by because you like, we don't really know like anything about him and he's not really there to further the coming of age half in Kamala's life 
which is like yeah. very important in Ms. Marvel, you know? He's like only really there to like solve her superhero problems. And it's hard to really like get attached to him when he doesn't like really propel the narrative beyond like issue to issue helping her save the day, which I don't think is like why most people read Ms. Marvel. Yeah, definitely. Like I we were talking about this too. Well, I guess first of all, you're right. And and then like, you know when um in the earlier issues when he was introduced they were talking about how he kind of has his whole own thing going on where he like finds spirits right yeah i kind of forget what the whole yeah like, but like every issue like saladin saladin like introduces parts of like amulet's lore and how his powers work and stuff and it seems more like set up for for this character to go solo rather than like yeah exactly no, he definitely has his own, like, big story and lore that's, like, going on over there in the corner, <laughs> like, and it's, like, given to us in, like, little pieces, which is interesting, but then this is, like, a solo comic about a completely different character, which feels jarring a bit, and I'm, like, okay, it's kind of cool that, I don't know, when Funny was explaining what, like, his powers does, I was, like, it's kind of like American Dragon Jake Long or something, you know, <laughs> except, like, with... Arab mythos which I think is cool but it is like really jarring compared to characters like Red Dagger me like I'm sorry like I'm we're we're all Red Dagger stands here but but literally like Red Dagger was made to like further Kamala's character development which is why I feel like he works so much better and more naturally like he literally he literally like gave a new challenge we've talked about this so many times on this podcast he, he like he gave like a new, imperialist king exactly like he gave he gave like this new like problem to kamala to work out and how like how she feels about it in terms of like how she is a superhero and what she would do in this new situation which like i feel like it really it furthered her character development and it made us like him more as a character because he's so involved in her like personal growth which i thought was really good and he works so much better as a side character because of it. Meanwhile, Fadi is kind of like, you can tell that like the creators want him to have his own series that's like about him. And it I don't know with like Kamala's anything narrative. about him really. Yeah, his personality doesn't show like you were you were saying before when we were talking, like if he like if he if was he like Kamala, interacting with Kamala's friends, I yeah, think. in a civilian environment, like it would work a lot better. You know, like if he was like a student at Cole's high school yeah. and there was more, there was more like exposure to like his personality outside of his superhero persona, it would be interesting. We could, we could see more of like what his personality is like and like what he brings to the table. That's like what new aspect of Kamala we could see through her interactions with him, you know? Yeah. Like when he was first introduced, I thought he was intentionally supposed to be like a foil for Bruno and he, and she was like going to be there to make Kamala realize some things about Bruno. Like, like he's not like the best friend and he's been deeply flawed throughout the run. And that's where I thought the story was going. Then it didn't go there. And I was upset. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. interesting like like I don't know funny just seems like a, like we don't know much about his personality but he seemed like he would be just like a nice chill guy you know yeah. and then like compared to like you know a lot of the problems that Bruno was putting Kamala through it would have been interesting to see like how she realizes 
you know, maybe if my friend, like, maybe because I've been in my friend circle so long, like, I haven't really realized what behavior is okay and what isn't, you know? Sometimes that happens. Like, if you're with the same people for, like, and you don't really hang out with new people, then you kind of are, like, you know, you excuse behavior that you wouldn't have excused with other people, you know? Especially since Bruno has, like, been the only person who's known her superhero identity for, like, a substantial period of her life. So it's, so it's, like, probably like ingrained in her like she trusts him more than like other people yeah and also there's just like the visual differences between uh, between Fadi and Bruno that I thought were intentional but I guess I was reading into it like he's this muscly jock he's this like skinny like nerd he's like in- <laughs> Bruno's into science and then oh, Fadi is like all about magic right I thought That's these true. were like oh you're creating a foil and then Fadi understands like Kamala's cultural issues and how they conflict mm-hmm. with their superhero life and then Bruno is like does <sighs> being like annoying about it and he thought like they were oh he's setting up this really cool storyline and, and then the bruno whole bruno storyline just ended like very underwhelmingly and i was like with like kamala like not even like thinking he did anything wrong and there was like no accountability in it because i feel like if there was like a more dramatic fallout between bruno and kamala that actually acknowledged like the wrongs that Bruno did I feel like I would have been more satisfied you know yeah but then like I feel like there wasn't enough time for like Miss Marvel to fully go in that direction I wasn't even sure if it was like something that came up in Ahmed's mind in the first place but like I feel like if there was any acknowledgement of like all of this shit that happened even with Zoe too oh my god even more things but like (laughs) I guess to like end on the Fadi note though I did think like his whole like power of friendship thing like with the shield was like it was a cute idea and I do like corny power of friendship story like you know plot points you know I do like them but with the context of all of Kamala's friends being really shitty to her it doesn't work (laughs) if Kamala's friends were actually good to her in this run like it would have worked or or if their problems with each other was actually resolved well it could have worked but it it really didn't like because like Bruno was crap, Zoe was crap, Nakia like we we Wasn't thought she there, was crap, but... and then it turns out she wasn't crap, and we don't even know what's going on with her. <laughs> Mike Mike just came in at the last second, like we're BFFs. I like hooked up with Bruno, but like you know, d- do I know that he kissed you? Like who knows? <laughs> like what did I, Bruno tell Mike about him and Kamala? I have no idea. I wonder if, like, the next Miss Marvel series will, like, figure that out. Deal with any of... This next writer has, like, a lot to deal with out of these, like, plot holes. Maybe they'll try to just do, like, fresh start. I'm ignoring that. (laughs) Should we, like, more formally go through every way that Kamala's friends have wronged her and why this ending doesn't really work with us? Well, Nikki is, like, perfect now and never did anything wrong, and she's an unproblematic queen, so we're striking her off the list. It's just Bruno and Mike, these white people. It's just, like, but then with Nikia, it was, like, first of all, the freaking... The hoodie? The hoodie. (laughs) The cliffhanger with Nikia calling Cradle, and then it turned it it turned out not to be Nakia. It was Zoe in a hoodie the whole time. But then, like... There was never a panel in the comic with Zoe in a hoodie. So 
how were we supposed I mean, to know? How were we supposed to even think of this? Like, you know, we saw like everyone live tweeting the comic, even like people writing articles, like did Nakia betray Kamala? And they weren't involved in those people writing the articles, weren't involved in the fandom. They were just like, people they're just like outsiders like even like if it like it didn't have to be vague because like bait and switch is a thing that like people do in their narratives which like makes sense because it's like oh it's an even more intense cliffhanger but then like you have to like it has to be acknowledged in your story that that was like a bait and switch like actually yeah actually you're what what you believed was wrong the whole time but then like it wasn't clearly communicated in this issue you know because because like even like I think because when Saladin Ahmed he tweeted that uh, it, like you know it the visual pan- the reference yeah this panel could it actually was like someone in a hoodie and like it was vague I feel like it was just way too confusing because I really didn't get it because like I thought that like the next issue when it was like oh it was Zoe who called Cradle like I thought that like maybe Zoe's Zoe called covering? yeah Zoe like covered Nakia or Zoe called Cradle separately. And like it was both Zoe and Nakia who were like upset about Kamala being a super right now, you know? Maybe like it's just me. I don't know. But I feel like it wasn't clearly communicated. Because I was just like even by the end of this issue, no, I was like confused. multiple people were super confused about this, like on the yeah. timeline. Like I just like everyone I saw was like, wait, they didn't address the Nakia thing at all. And then like yeah. even even in the last issue, they were like, Okay, is this like is Zoe like covering for Nakia? Like pe- like everyone was confused about that because he didn't cause there wasn't like a clarification of the bait and switch. Yeah, because I feel like if we saw Zoe wearing a hoodie in the next issue or something, that would have made more sense to me, you know? The hood doesn't even have to be up. It could just be, like, you know, this is, like, actually, or, like, you know, if, like, the cliffhanger was that, like, there was this, like, girl on the phone who has, like, some sort of, like, veil or hood, and then the next issue when Zoe, like, it's, like, Zoe has a hood on, and then she, like, uncovers it. You know, like I feel like that would have made so much more sense. I'd be like, "Oh, it was Zoe, not Nakia." Haha. <laughs> like, "Oh, that was dumb of me." You know, like, <laughs> but that didn't happen, so it was just confusing to me. <laughs> I don't know. Or I think, like you said earlier, like if it was more like a vague, like shadowy a sh- figure yeah. on the phone, then then you would be like, "Who is it?" You know, and maybe if it kind of looked like a like there was like a hood or something over their head you'd be like is it is it Nakia like you know but then you don't really know and then you find out next issue it's Zoe I I just feel like it wasn't clearly communicated which which was just confusing in the end it's like honest like a combination of like the scripter and the artist's fault a little bit but mostly I blame like the scripter (laughs) yeah like I mean I know it's it's tough like with western comics when there's like a separate artist and a separate writer it can be tough to like communicate these things you want in your comic but yeah it gets like when it was such a big part of the narrative it was like a little disappointing especially when the idea that the kia was the traitor even though it felt really out of character for her it would have put her more in the spotlight of the story. Nikia was pushed to the background again. We don't even get to see how Nikia responded to Zoe calling the fucking cops on, <laughs> on Kamala. Like, I would have loved to have seen that because, like, Nikia and Zoe became really close. But then, like, Zoe doing something like this is really, like, fucked up. No one acknowledges how fucked up that was. there's this pattern where like Kamala's friends do toxic things and it doesn't affect the whole friend group it just affects like 
their relation her relationship with Kamala. I guess that's like a fault with it, like writing friend groups in general. But like things like that should affect like everyone's opinion. Yeah, because like I mean, in the earlier Miss Marvel series, when um when Mike and Bruno got together, like it was awkward for everyone, and you could like tell. You know, which was like interesting because like you get to see like the whole friend group be like weird. (laughs) But with this, it was very much just like how Kamala responds. And then you don't get to see like and even that wasn't executed that well to me. Like if I had a friend who fucking called the cops on me, I would be like, first of all, fuck you. (laughs) I would be like really upset. Okay, like, yeah. This is like forgive. Like I'm seeing the okay. I'm looking at this panel right now, and then Kamala's just like, just don't call ever call the super cops on me again, deal. And oh I'm like, this God. is this is forgiving white girls for things that they shouldn't be forgiven for. I'm saying it. <laughs> you, the way white gift- women can escape consequences should be talked about in white boys. Well, I don't think that was Saladin's intended theme, but you know, it kind of works. The way when you're like the way when you're like a person of color and you have to excuse the most atrocious shit that your white friends do to you, like, relatable. Like this is relatable in the worst way. I don't want this to be relatable. Like I want Kamala to have friends who aren't toxic and terrible people and are white, but it looks like it's happening, and she's so forgiving. There's no like genuinely. Also, like, Cradle is, like, a fucking super-powered militia that, well, they're not super, well, they're just a fucking militia that takes, like, children to fucking education camps. Like, she's seen, I guess, like, I don't know how much collaboration there's been between, like, Ahmed and Ewing and Champions, but, like, this is, this is, like, affected Kamala's teammates on Champions and stuff, so she, I don't know, I can't yeah. see her being just, like, chill with almost going to jail because of, Zoe, because of Zoe Zimmer. I children are getting traumatized, like, right, like, like as, as that homecoming dance is happening, there are children, like, in that camp getting traumatized by, like, brainwashing. Yeah, and there has to be, what? like, some sort of public awareness that, like, the, that, like, it's not going well in there because of that whole like Vana forced apology video. Like, uh, I, I don't, I think Saladin knows like every single minute detail of champions, but like, this is really, you know, when you consider it, it's really fucked up. Yeah, I know. So that's, that's my problem with Zoe. It feels like when that whole power of friendship scene was happening, I was like, girl, you did something really shitty and like, no one is letting you, like be no one's holding you accountable to it and I feel like Nikki would have a lot to say on that which would be really interesting if she was there (laughs) (laughs) Nikki is like a girl who is very much has very far left politics it would be interesting to see how she like because we barely got to see her opinion on Outlawed too which I thought would be really cool because it's like oh my like my friend literally got put in a coma because of this thing that happened, but at the same time, like, young people are being arrested for this shit, like, you know, it's like personal feelings versus your politics, you know, like, I thought it would be cool, but didn't happen, so. (laughs) Release the Nakia cut. Yeah, release the Nakia cut, and then Bruno. He didn't say anything, it was He didn't say anything, which was pretty good, but then Mike just 
randomly appearing and then them not acknowledging any of those issues that happened. And I don't even know if Mike <laughs> knows if Bru that Bruno and Kamala had a thing for like five seconds. Does she know? Who knows? No clue. He, she knows probably what Bruno told her. I don't think she knows Kamala's side because it looks like that's yeah. the first time they spoke to each other since she got back, which is like, okay, if you're going to ghost like your friend for two weeks because you think like she might have... I don't know, gotten together with this shitty Italian boy. Like, what the hell, Mike? I know. I'm like, what's <laughs> this friend group is a mess. I mean, I maybe that's accurate of high school. Like the white kids don't get to like take any accountability for their toxic shit while the people of color suffer. And like, <laughs> but I I don't want it to be that way. <laughs> this is we're supposed to like these white kids is the thing, and we're supposed to believe that their yeah, love for Kamala saved her life. But I think it was just Nakia. I believe like her love saved Kamala's life. I don't believe any of these other people's did. <laughs> yeah, the whole like power of my friends it really didn't work with everything that happened. I mean, in the previous episode we listed off like everything Bruno's done wrong, right? Yeah, I think so. I also just sent okay. it to this DM to someone on when they just like finished 2014 run and we were like, why does everyone hate Bruno now? And I was, and I'm just like, here's a list of all of his sins. And then they were like, oh, yikes. <laughs> Should we just list it off one more time since it's the last time? <laughs> Number one, he's kind of basic and takes away attention from other members of Kamala's friend groups who are women or LGBT or people of color. Uh, number two, in the 2015 run, starting with Civil War II, he starts to guilt trip Kamala whenever she disagrees with him. At first, you can sort of understand his side, but he never apologizes for blaming her for his injuries. Then he gets mad at her for being interested in Kareem while he was away in Wakanda. He also broke up with Mike right before he left and just started expressing interest in Kamala when he came back, which is pretty douchey. And then I have bullet number three, which is like a whole paragraph. And it says, Magnificent Ms. Marvel is where he just becomes borderline toxic. Basically, Bruno and Kamala almost kiss in a park at the beginning of the run, but they have to put off the question of dating because Kamala's dad gets sick. When Abu, who pays for who paid for his school fees, lands himself in the hospital, and it seems like he might pass, Bruno goes to air quotes comfort her, but he but he doesn't seem to un care about the fact that this man is dying. Then the hospital gets attacked by Dr. Hyde because Bruno offered some emotional support. That is, he told Kamala how great she was. Kamala kisses him and go, and then leaves to go fight Dr. Hyde. Then later, Bruno holds a kiss over Kamala's head when she says she's not sure about being his girlfriend. He doesn't talk to her for several weeks, but when Kamala lands herself in the hospital, he gets all remorseful and realizes he fucked up. But he doesn't seem to learn anything about how to treat women well, because as soon as Mike comes back, parentheses, she was gone for most of the run, parentheses, he goes back to her. But yeah, that's all he wrote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he he did that he really did it like gives a really terrible impression of him as a character no offense to Saladin Abed but like this is like not a good boy to have in your life he's just toxic I really thought that it was going to get acknowledged because like literally this kid like emotionally manipulated this girl who was like having a breakdown because her dad was about to die not a good message i think for like girls because really especially in comics right now about how important like i read i read like the past few issues of spider-man i feel like Ahmed's doing like a brilliant job on that i really enjoyed 
all of his characterization and all those issues. And I will want to talk about it later. Did you read that? The latest issue? I read the last issue. I, oh, I read like the King it was Black so, one. It was so good. Oh my God. Beautiful. I mean, so it's not like him. Like, I know, I know it isn't. I just feel like there was like a lot of like, you know, just a lot of little mistakes that ended up when you put it all together and look at it in retrospect, it looks like one very big bad mistake. (laughs) And I'm sure it's not like him, you know, like, but also at the same time, when I see like Kavala's interactions with other male characters that other writers did, it worked. They resolved themselves better than her interactions with Bruno. And I'm like, these are white men over there, (laughs) you know, writing those. that sounds mean I don't want to be mean and I don't want to give white men credit for anything but like it it did kind of work a bit better (laughs) yeah that's like how I feel about like how Mark Wade wrote wrote Kamala in that one Marvel (laughs) snapshots Captain Marvel issue that came out that was was surprisingly like pretty good Claire Rowe deserves a lot of credit for like that art style because it's better art than the first two cha- than the first two champions runs. And oh, it's like art. very it's... it's like that whimsical, like modern kind of art that really appeals to young people. And yeah, I like it's... it a lot. It like I liked I don't know, I liked how Kamala's face looked. <laughs> but Magnificent Miss Marvel like did have issues, especially when her friends are such a big part of like what makes the comic appealing and then like how we see this character grow through her friends but then when all of her friends are shit and nothing no one or they don't appear yeah or they're just not there and we don't get to like see any like concrete resolution for actions that are inappropriate like it's it just like doesn't read well especially okay and then the irony of the power of my friends thing happening after all these shitty things happen is just like man, that could have been done a little better, you know? Out of 10, what would you give Magnificent Miss Marvel? Like, run? the whole run, or? Okay, I guess like, this just issue. This Let's issue. just say this issue. Just this issue? Are we gonna start rating the issues now? Well, I mean, okay. everything else is, like, 10 out of 10, so. Okay, well, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it wasn't the worst issue in this run, but it- I'm gonna I'm gonna give it like five. Mm, yeah, maybe yeah, I'll give it a four. I'm like kind of underwhelmed here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean, writing's hard, guys. I don't know how I would have fixed this. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah. Okay. Also, my last complaint is uh the, the dress. On, co- Oh, oh yeah. We okay. We have to have a whole segment dragging Kamala's outfit. I was going to say what my last thing about Fadi is like Kamala revealing her identity to him so fast. Oh yeah. I was like, okay. Like I know the baby fans like think more about the character, like the consistent characterization of our faves more than writers do, maybe. But I'm like, every time Kamala has had like a friendship with a super, she always makes it a big thing about her identity. Like she always makes drama and I think it's hilarious and it's fun (laughs) exactly like Nova he like humiliated himself in front of her when she was like I am not telling you my secret identity we just met and then Miles like there was the whole like there's that whole like crossover issue where they were just like 
you know it was like a whole thing and like she she was like we both know but like it's like you know this is a whole thing and then with Riri and Champions Riri was like Riri oh, figured all- it out and then Kamala was like whoops I that was supposed to be a secret from you for some fucking reason even and though Riri, on the yeah, subject and- of Kamala's law MH team should know about this like, I know, like, she always makes it a big thing, and she never, like, she's always so touchy about giving her secret identity. And then to, even like, in her, her own main friends. title, she, like, didn't tell, she, like, didn't tell Kareem, and Kareem yeah. literally kissed her, and it's, like, like, they, like, had a bond bond, you know, they and did. she still didn't tell him. With this being the last issue, like, maybe it could have, like, you know, it's interesting that, he, that you know, she gave it, but it felt out of character. I don't know. Yeah, I, was... I mean, I did like the salams because it kind of shows mm-hmm. like, oh, this is two Muslim characters colliding and it's like special. And I appreciated that for the culture. But I'm also a Kamala Khan purist and I just don't like seeing her written out of character and that supersedes my Muslimness sometimes and joke. Yeah, I feel like they could have given the greetings even if they didn't know their identity. Because like you it's know? very, their ethnicities are at least. I don't know. I'm just like that. W- that was kind of weird. I was just like, she wouldn't do that. Not this soon. <laughs> I guess maybe because like Fadi is like a Muslim superhero, but then at the same time, like she, Kareem is Pakistani, and she literally did not like they kissed, and she literally did not give her su- her identity to him. So yeah, so that's my last complaint about Fadi. I'm sorry, if, like if if there's like a solo series of him, I'll buy it. Oh. When the, when his crossover with Miles happens, like I'll buy it. But that, I just have complaints. And I talked about this, but I do think that new character introductions work better in team books than solo series. Or, but like when we were talking about how Kareem worked as a character, I do feel like that's the one instance where new characters work in a way that flows well with a solo character story. Yeah. You know? Or even like with Starling in Miles and yeah. Run. Like, like she- yeah, Star- Fits with Starling. Spider-Man mythos, so she doesn't yeah. feel totally out of place. And yeah, she, she is like new. a love interest for Miles. So she like so they have like a narrative going there. I didn't feel like there was a narrative with fought with Fuddy. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And like Tiana did bring something new to Spider-Man, which I did like I don't like it felt a lot more natural to me than Fuddy. Be like, sorry, sorry, King. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like dissing on him because he is the first Arab American superhero. And sometimes, you know, writers do need to make their self-insert don't donuts don't do not steal. And I appreciate that. Uh, but like, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I know, but I guess when you're like when you're like this is like an independent superhero that I'm presenting, I do feel like it works in team comics better yeah yeah definitely like like, I feel like snow guard and champions worked extremely well and it Mm -hmm. was a real like the story was really good and it worked well because like you got to see like all these different characters different interactions with her and her unique story but then when it came to like Miss Marvel like we're here for this one character and if this new superhero that you're introducing doesn't help advance the character that we're here for that it doesn't work that well you know yeah exactly but yeah so that was magnificent miss marvel i mean oh, yeah. their, their little like group photo in the end was cute without the context of all of her friends except nikia who's not there 
Yeah, it does not terrible. get the same as the last Mink Yu Jong John group photo yeah. that we ended on. You're right. You're right. Yeah. You know, like I don't under because I remember in that you know in that story in the last issue of G Willow Wilson's run that was like the uh, the the Ahmed Jong like collab. I was in there. I thought like it was it's really strange because Saladin Saladin seems to understand that like Nakia, Zoe, Nakia, Zoe, Kamal, and Bruno all like grew up together and they're all really tight. And uh or like even Zoe before she was friends with them was like kind of like the kid down the street and they all yeah. like seemed really familiar with each other. But like I didn't see much of that translate into his actual run. And I think you're right. I don't know what happened. Maybe there's just less focus on the on them as characters. And more on and the superhero. Like more, yeah, more on the superhero and then more on like Kamala and Bruno independently, you know? Or yeah. Kamala and Zoe independently. I guess like the timing of Outlaw being at the ending of Magnificent Miss Marvel didn't help either. I thought it would have worked worked well if there's more time to like cover the implications of what each character did during this t- like time period of like this very oppressive law taking place, you know. But since it's the end, it's kind of a mess. A, a little disappointing. Yeah. I mean, and I guess we should I have think- to talk about the fashion flops. Fashion flops. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Well, so I just, you know, I just got off the phone with my older sister. I bet you right now, if I just like called her up right now, asked her to join the podcast and be like, would you let me go to a homecoming dance in that outfit? She would be like, fuck no. Like, Taisha, why oh. did you lie to Kamala like that? You did her no. so dirty. I mean, I feel like many of the characters' outfits did work that well, but. Kamala, man. Okay, I know, like, it's kind of in character for Kamala to be unfashionable, but, like, a girl can dream. You know? <laughs> but, like, she's not, like, the thing is, like, even if she's not very fashionable, I don't, th- that just feels like not what a seven, what any 17-year-old would pick. You know, like, True. I think, like, a really unfashionable 17-year-old would just be- get, like, a basic shirt, dress, and, like, tights, and ballet flats, and wear that to homecoming. And that would be, like, passable. But this was just, like, really bad. Yeah, like, white jacket, yellow besties t-shirt. The besties t-shirt is hilarious, but it could have been worn better. And then underneath, like, I the, mean, the underneath that shirt. The mustard frilly skirt. Yeah, the frilly skirt dress thing. Oh, my God. Mess. <laughs> like, I don't even see, like, why Kamala even owning, like, a skirt like that, honestly. I I don't like it. It doesn't look good. And the white jacket. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I talk about this a lot. I feel like when you're making like teenage characters, I do feel like to appeal to teenage readers, you would have to have characters that visually you they can relate to. You know, if I when I see a comic character wearing this outfit, I am like, that isn't a 17-year-old that I would see out on the street if I went outside right now. If I did happen to like see kids coming out of their homecoming dance, they would not look like that. No one, none of them would look like yeah, that. You know like what I even, mean? You know, even like the least fashionable yeah. kid would not look like that. These are like nitpicky things, but I do feel like when it comes to visual communication, it is like kind of important if you are trying to appeal to youth that you know what's what the youth look like right, right now. I mean, I, it might be a case of artists because I feel like Takeshi Miyazawa like never like went out of their way to draw 
Kamala like super fashionable or anything, but there was still clothes that like you would see a teenager, like a normal teenager wear. I, I don't like ripping on artists because they do, they, they have like a really hard job, but Matthew yeah. Jung's art in this issue I, I felt like he was pressed under a deadline or something because his artwork is usually so precise but then the face is just off and a little sloppier then there's the outfit maybe I'm not gonna blame him for that because it could maybe it was in the script that like yeah. she's like wearing like a mismatched kind of clothes or something but I did pay five dollars for this comic <laughs> and I expect like the art to be consistent and Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think he should have been given more time. It, it, it sucks that he wasn't. Yeah, no, I feel you. It's a, Yeah, I do feel bad about ragging on artists. I've like talked about it before when I feel like there are some artists who are very much better suited for titles with adult characters rather than teenage characters. I do think they're like aesthetics that teenagers and young people nowadays are like lean more into than conventional Western characters comic book art styles yeah you know? I mean Mingyu like, Jung is Korean but that's yeah but I feel like his art style is a bit it would have worked mo- better for an older for an older like grittier kind of character exactly like, yeah something like yeah. I don't know like a Venom or like uh there's a lot that can be said about like the aesthetics of teenage comics and manga and like all of these things and how they work to like appeal towards young people and how they like get the interest of young consumers I do feel mm. like it's really important like that yeah, there's think- like re- there there's reasons why like there's so many manga and anime that like so strongly influence like young people around the world right now you know and it's yeah. like through it's through art a lot of the times like the story is very important of course but like cool interesting sleek unique art is very much like a big part of it that's why like celebrities wear like they like things with like Japanese aesthetics and it gets really popular very fast you know but it's like a little thing that I'm ragging on like obviously there were much bigger problems with Magnificent Miss Marvel unfortunately but you know fashion flops are a part of it as well (laughs) yeah I don't know do you uh, and I guess like the other thing about Magnificent Miss Marvel overall I don't like the color I mean, they use the same colorist from the last issue, but like, I don't like the like the blues and violets in the mm. color palette as much as like the warmth. I mean, I know they're going for a different tone, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. like wow, we have a we have a lot. <laughs> we're just like we are just bashing this we're comic. Just, I'm sorry, sorry for, I feel so bad. I know. But, I, <laughs> I mean, this isn't the worst comic out there. But, but like, I guess when we have like so, such a personal connection to it, it yeah, we're I think very like picky. what's so frustrating is that these are like talented people behind this comic, but mm. it's just not gelling. And when it doesn't gel, it's like just frustrating because you're just like individually, you guys are all talented, but somehow together on this one comic, it's not clicking. And I'm frustrated because I want to root for you, you know? I just think sometimes like it's not the right fit. And that's totally valid. It's not indicative of the writer or the artist or any of the people involved. It just happens to be that way sometimes. And there are like other places where a writer or an artist can definitely excel. So please don't take it personally. I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I think there was this other thing I wanted to talk about 
where mm-hmm. Saladin Ahmed, he had this radio interview where he talked about some of the challenges that he had been having writing Magnificent Ms. Marvel. Uh, I mean, if I think about what's been my biggest challenge writing, it's been Kamala, which is um, which is odd. You know, people are sort of when I started to talk about working at Marvel, everyone's like, oh, you've got to write. You know, because there are well, so because she's Arab American, Muslim. Well, she, oh, she's she's Pakistani. Oh, sorry, but yeah. she's no, but she's um, uh, because she's Muslim American, and and so you know, of course, you've got to do this. And naturally enough, when Willow, uh, the co-creator of the character Willow uh, Wilson, yeah, uh, Willow Wilson went on to write Wonder Woman in DC. You know, she she wanted to hand this character off. She and Sana Ananat, who had uh, at Marvel, who had uh, co-created this character, they wanted to hand this character off to somebody who. Who understood some things about her, <laughs> uh, for lack of a more subtle way to put it, right? And I was deeply intimidated at the prospect of of, of taking over the comic, and uh, and yet I I had all sorts of ideas about where the character might go, and so there's been a bit of a learning curve. Um, even though we've got lots in common, I think um, in a strange way I have more in common with Miles. Having I think we're conditioned so much along the lines of gender. And uh, mm-hmm. especially when I was a young man, uh, we were, and uh, that that getting into a teenage girl's head has proven um, proven a challenge. And I and I know that I've dropped the ball at times, but I've sort of found a groove on that book that I feel very comfortable in, and uh, it's meant a lot to me to get it right because she is so important to so many people. When I go to conventions, uh, both with her and with Miles, there are so many young fans out there. Um, or older fans who never got to see those characters when they were older or who are getting to see them now as as, as younger folks. And um, it's it, it means the world to them to see these characters out there. And, and it's only going to be more the case as these characters get larger platforms. You know, um, Kamala's got a TV show coming to Disney Plus next year. Um, and it's if it does feel like a kind of responsibility to to not screw it up too bad. So um so I'm I'm still learning. I'm still learning, but uh but it's 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 a delightful book to write. I can definitely see see that because I was going to suggest that we go next with Spider-Man because you know we can finally talk about Ahmed's like brilliance over there, you know. <laughs> but yeah. No, you're like I can definitely see that. And I feel like it's not his fault, of course. I do feel like a female writer would be best for Miss Marvel. And like you know, it takes experimenting to find that out because, like, I didn't know that when I was just reading G. Yeah, I, run. Yeah, know? like, when Saladin Ahmed was was first announced, I was like, oh, he's, like, Muslim. He's, like, a person of color. I'm going to relate to this a lot. But I didn't consider the fact that I am of what I'm a girl and I'm, like, half his age and I have very different experiences from him I have like very different experiences identities. from like you know with like my own brother I think like because Islam is so homosocial mm-hmm. girls and boys just have very different you know experiences growing up in Muslim households and he doesn't understand that and I can understand that he doesn't understand so it's it's no one's fault sometimes things aren't a good fit and you know intersectional identities <laughs> let's just uh, hope they got a Muslim of color for whatever the next front is i'm excited for when like when a miss marvel solo series comes back but for now i'm pretty solid like I'm, <laughs> i think I, I think i am done experiencing the highs and lows of magnificent miss marvel as shannon exactly. would put it <laughs> exactly we just have 
champions right now and I'm like I'm winning it's okay yeah I don't have to have like a mental breakdown every Wednesday exactly (laughs) but okay let's talk about where Kamala was written well by Mr. Ahmed which was freaking Miles Morales Spider-Man oh my god Number uh, that design for uh, Null Kamala was gnarly and sick. Oh, it was disgusting. And I loved it. <laughs> I think it works really well in a Spider-Man comic. Nice. Carmen Carrero did like a very good job. Oh, the artist, yes. Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 23. Uh, this is part of the King in Black event going on right now. So the writer is Saladin Ahmed. Carmen Carnero is the artist. David Curiel is the colorist, and Corey Petit is the letterer. The cover yeah. artist is Tauren Clark, and this was a beautiful issue. Amazing. I still don't have a physical copy of it because it was sold out everywhere I went. Go Miles! Yes! It was insane. King. Okay, I, I went to freaking Midtown Times Square. It's the biggest one. They usually have the biggest bulk order of comics. I could not find him anywhere. I was like, where is Miles Morales Spider-Man? I like saw so many other Spider-Man titles. Amazing. Like everything going on over there. And I was just like, where is he? And then like I asked the front desk and they were like, oh, it's completely sold out. Sorry. And then I went to my local comic store which was like in my other neighborhood also sold out i still haven't oh found my it. god like he's just doing go really well miles <laughs> go off yes yes and all the other I love this comics program. weren't sold out i'm like i was like peter was so parker happy. flop era <laughs> i know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like I don't know. I it just made me yeah, feel very like happy. five titles and you can't sell any of them out. Flop. I know. I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like the quality of this issue, I think shows why it was sold out. Tie-ins sometimes can be really awkward. With oh, there's this random thing that's happening that's tied to this big universe-wide Marvel event. But then, like this one, like flowed really well because it focused on Miles's empathy as well as like his relationship to Kamala. So yeah, like- I feel like this was a really nice emotional fight while still being visually entertaining. So it made for like a very enjoyable read you just can't turn away she looked crazy but i guess even before that when miles was fighting that dragon that was like possessed and he freed it like even with like a fucking dragon like miles has this kindness that's like very inherent to his character this is like a freaking behemoth monster and miles is like oh are you heading it like you know (laughs) and the dragon is nice enough to give him a ride to miss marvel which i was like oh i really like that about like different writers who write miles there's just like small things about him that are like sweet and charming to me yeah i I think it's so important to like show a character like this who's like a young teenage boy and he's just genuinely kind and it you know really helped dispel a lot of ideas about masculinity and what- and then even when he was fighting miss marvel it was oh my god beautiful artistry amazing <laughs> oh i'm like looking at it right now with this issue like the whole power of friendship thing did work a lot better it's very much you know this isn't a typical fight like this is someone who miles is really close to and but she's extremely powerful as well so it's like a threat but at the same time, like, he, he needs to try his best to, like, you know, make this situ like, neutralize the situation without hurting her as much as possible. I don't know, it just worked really well. It was so pure and sweet. And, like, he just doesn't want to hurt his friend. But, like, it's his venom that is what, like, neutralizes it, right? So, oh God so beautiful and the way kamala just like sees like miles uh unconscious at the end and 
goes over there to help him. It's like, Saladin, you like knew how to tease the Kamile shippers all along and you didn't do it the whole Ms. Marvel run? What? I know! I know! <laughs> this issue, like, I did, like, I this never is just thought. like the definition of like her comfort in the last couple of pages with like Kamala reaching out to Miles. If I was like oh 13 God. and I was like a diehard Kamile shipper, I would just be like dead right now. Oh, I'm dead. (laughs) I am like this. uh, All the like freaking cliches of like a good ship have been hit here. Like they're straight bait. Beautiful. Give me like. Are they are they supposed to be friends, Saladin? It doesn't seem like this. It's like he. I don't. I know he doesn't ship Kamiles, but he doesn't convince me that he doesn't ship Kamiles. I know. I think he's like trying to depict how close their friendship has gotten since like they first met, which I definitely feel. And I think that's like, he did a really good job of it. Because I'm like, oh my god. Even if it's just like platonic, it's like, this bond is so beautiful and unbreakable. (laughs) Sometimes when there are male writers who write like a heterosexual romance, it's very much like you cannot feel any sort of real connection between these characters other than the romantic, right? And for me, that's when heterosexual pairings fall flat. You, this is like, feels really forced. But like, I don't feel that here. Cause like, this is like very much not with- It's not well, at the no, forefront. Yeah, it's not at the forefront. It's very much more about their connection as heroes and as friends over like, some kind of forcibly inserted romance, which is why like people like these types of sh- like pairings more, you know? And even with the previous issue with Miles and Tiana, I just feel like- Saladin just writes romance well. Not not with Magnificent Miss Marvel. When he writes romance with a main male character, it's good. (laughs) Even in the previous issue when Miles and Tiana were just like patrolling together and Miles had the reveal where he, because they did have like issues where she was upset that Miles didn't want to reveal his identity to her. But then like when they were able to like talk about what they have in common having super villain family members as well as Tiana revealing the meaning behind why she's starling and they had that sort of like development I thought it worked really even me as like a Kamiles diehard fan I can still see and really appreciate his relationship with starling and how well that's like developed so I don't know it's it's weird I'm <laughs> I want to like go into Saladin's brain and then just like take off the mental block that is stopping him from being able to write Kamala Conwell because he wrote her well here where she's like a supporting character to Miles like seeing like how this issue got sold out obviously that tracks with a lot of comic readers right now you know I just think it was a great issue Kamile's fans be winning it was so great especially when like Enchant Miles is kind of like in the back but I feel like it is because he's the only character one with the solo yeah he's the only one with a solo right now so it's understandable to me why he's like less like a main character especially when in the outlawed one shot and in issue one and then also with his solo series having so much acclaim like that's gonna stay around for a while that's like not miles is gonna like stay around in solo series for a long time i think literally with this last issue i'm like okay like mr abed is going to be like freaking writing miles morales spider-man for like the next how many years until he just wants to leave you know <laughs> yeah like <laughs> it's it's not going to be marvel be like get out it's going to be him who's just like i'm done like I, it was yeah really like he good. is a great fit for this character 
Yeah, like I think I, he's really invested in Miles's lore. I haven't been keeping up, but I know he's been doing interesting stuff with like Miles's ultimate universe backstory that a lot of people are hyped about, and while also like developing Miles's personal relationships. So good, good for you for doing Miles Morales good because Miles Morales deserves it. Yeah, I I think this was a great issue. Even the pre- number twenty two, I really like. Buy this comic. <laughs> One day I will get the physical copy. I don't know when, but it'll happen. <laughs> I believe in you, Lamo. There might be like a second printing or something that you could get. Yeah, I I hope it. I hope so. It, it definitely will. I like that was like the fastest so, like sold out I've ever seen. It, I've seen like Miles Morales Spider Man comics get to like third printings or something. Yeah, exactly. Something. Like he's doing. He's like hitting like home runs on this. I, I do feel like with solo comics, sometimes when there's too many team-ups and crossovers, it gets a little agitating. But if there's like the right amount and with the right characters, I'm feeling it. I don't know how interested Saladin Ahmed is in with the other champions cast, but I would love to see them like have, have like make an appearance, even just a small one. I don't like that this is Spider-Man run at all, but there are some fun moments like with Kamala and Sam that I thought were hilarious like in spider-man it would just be fun to see like slam like fly over to new york city and have the bro talk miles okay or something. i like, know i would <gasps> love to see that please sir i know like sam alexander just think about him there was like one moment in spider-man that was so funny to me that no one talks about anymore which is like basically there's this scene where um miles's dad jefferson he's like oh i see the, he, that yeah, he's out on the street and like he always he never really liked superheroes and this was before he knew Miles was Spider-Man and he sees like Nova like Sam's just like flying around and like there's all his fans and they're like oh my god it's Nova and they have their phones out and he's totally showboating and being like <laughs> being like oh it's oh me god. and like being like arrogant oh my god could Miles's dad has like the most like disgusted look on his face and I was like I love this that's something that I think doesn't really happen as much now with uh like teen comics like in the early 2000s when it came to things like Teen Titans and Young Justice like I feel like you could see a lot of these crossovers but I guess it's happening less now but I would like with this new issue of Spider-Man I would love to see more. Thanks for tuning in for this month's episode of Champions and Chai. If you like what you heard, subscribe to us on anchor.fm slash champs-chai or wherever you get podcasts and please rate and review us in the Apple Podcast Store. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you.